Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hey, everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. For all of you on Coast to Coast with Mafia and Carver High, Joe Ranieri running it on Sports Grid. And uh, we're flying along here. Got a lot to uh, cover in this second hour. I know you love the show. Everybody's doing it. They just won't admit it. So here's the deal. Um, Mark Emmert, the NCAA president, we were just discussing uh, off the camera who we hated more, Emmert or Miles Brand. Now, of course, Miles Brand is gone. Uh, he passed away. Uh, he was the guy. I really didn't like him after uh, he uh, had his little witch hunt with Bob Knight. I hated that guy's guts like you have no idea. Uh, Carver Hyde, do you remember how much uh, like flack I gave that guy over the years? I mean, I just couldn't stand that guy. So I got to tell it's, you. Uh, I, it's fair to I, say you weren't I, the biggest fan of him. I, I think I disliked him more than Emmert. Emmert. I, I don't like him either, but I, I really didn't like Miles Brand. I thought he uh, had a, I thought he had a hair in his tuchus for Knight, and that bothered me. He spent his whole life trying to bring Bob Knight down, uh, and congratulations, he did it. And then look what he got for it. But what do you think of Emmert um, that he will not mandate a uniform start date for college sports? I think we have a graphic on this, Joe Ranieri, about uh, Mark Emmert uh, talking about what they're going to do uh, with. Uh, college football and college sports, for that matter. Carver, what do you think of that? What what Emmert's doing? Well, this is typical NCAA, typical Emmert. You know, they're they're basically just going to say, "Hey, you know what? Not our problem. We're not going to put any mandates. We're not going to set any rules. We're not going to say you need to do this. We're just going to let you guys all fight over it yourselves." So that all these conferences, like you know James Franklin last week in the Big Ten, saying. Yeah, well, you know, if a couple teams can't play or a couple schools, that's on them. So Emmett's going to allow this, and it's going to be a free-for-all. That's exactly what it's going to be, and he's going to be leave everybody else holding the bag like he always does. Right, Scotty? Yeah, maybe. Uh, Mafia, what do you think? Uh, do you, Look, uh, here's the deal. This is really what I, I think this boils down to. In California, for instance, right, The this is the largest state with colleges. The Cal... Uh, you know, state college system in itself, the collegiate schools that are there in the state, there are more students going to college there than anywhere in America. That's just all there is to it, right? There's just millions. And the fact that they are not going to have 
students in school in the fall. They're not going to be at class. They're just, they're talking about it not happening. No one's going back to college. Everything will be done online, Mafia. And I got to think, how in God's name are you going to have college athletics if you're not going to have any college students on campus? And, And just even in California in itself, picture California's problem and then add the rest of the country with their in-state college problems of not going to camp. No one's going to college in New Jersey or New York. I mean, we're not even allowed to leave our neighborhoods where I live. What do you think, Mafia? Yeah, I understand where they're coming from and that it's hard to say, you know, who's going to be there, who's going to not to say, okay, you got to start by this certain date. Otherwise you're not you know, eligible to be in you know, the championship or whatever they want to do, however they want to do it. But still, you have to have some kind of guidance. That's been the problem with the NCAA forever. That was a problem when we were waiting around to see if they're going to have the NCAA tournament or not. All these conferences are making their own decisions, and it was chaos before they finally stepped up when everyone else already made the decision. Said, okay, yeah, now we're not going to have the tournament. After all, the conferences already canceled everything. I get you can't put a single mandate out right now because we don't know. There's so many unknowns with all these states, like you said, California, the tri-state area, things like that. But you have to have some kind of unified front Otherwise, it's just, you know, crazy willy-nilly. Who's going to be the champion? Who's going to be the best? We don't know because everyone's going to make their own claim because the NCAA is not in control anymore. So, uh, Emmert said, normally there's an agreed-upon start uh, date for every sport, every season, but under these circumstances now, it's all been uh, derailed. It'll be the local and state health officials that say whether or not you can open to play football with the fans at the stadium. Want to get SB Nation back on board here, coast-to-coast on SportsGrid. Good to have you with us today. Hope you've been digging the show. I know we're having a blast as usual doing it. And if you're not, you lose. What you should do is have a sandwich with mustard on it and a beer. You'll feel better after that. Uh, But here's the deal. Um, You know, I think that it is the states that have to handle this. It is the locales, the local governments and states that have to make these decisions. Look, they're doing it in Arizona. They're doing it in Florida. Uh, I think they may be ahead of the uh, curve there with their dangerous decision-making. Like this guy in Florida that we talked about, you heard Carver, I mentioned it in his update, DeSantis, this guy's literally, and what aren't they doing in Florida? They want to have baseball there. They want to have the NBA there. Uh, They've already got the UFC there. Uh, They've got everything going on there. They're going to have golf there at Medalist and Seminole. They are literally leading the way. And you know what? Strangely enough, the risks that they're taking Carver High, frankly, are paying off because everything that they've done so far in Florida has worked. No, he said today, open the doors. We're ready for everybody. Come on in. Uh, we'll take you. If, you're, if your state isn't going to let you play, come on down to Florida. So when you look at teams like in California or teams in New York, uh, things like that, once baseball starts, NBA, et cetera, Florida could be the place that everybody is going to flock to, Scotty, as they say. So LSU's football staff is back in Baton Rouge, and they're dealing with their team online. Uh, What's left of their team, it's all new players because the entire team got drafted in the NFL draft and mostly in the first round. They led the way in the NFL draft with players going in the first round as well. So uh, Ed Orgeron dealing with all new players down there in the Bayou A survey said 50% of parents worry about their child's health if they return to playing sports. Here's an idea. Uh, Let's not worry about little Johnny going to D1 full ride into the NFL as a starting quarterback in the NFL and worry about these kids being healthy right about now. Whatever an idea. 
DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Have you written a book and need some insight into what comes next? Or are you passionate about cooking and want to know how to make it your career? Or maybe you just want to hear insider stories about the entertainment industry. Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. And on our podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood... We bring our expertise to the table with, of course, delicious cocktails and all kinds of recipes for you to try at home. So grab a drink and join us. We've got a wide range of celebrity guests and Hollywood insiders to discuss pop culture, publishing, and entertainment. And we'll provide you with an unfiltered and sometimes brutally honest show about Hollywood. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. Back on uh, Coast to Coast, uh, one of the fans wrote from the sports gambling uh, tweet, uh, Pharrell and Grid, man, always love hearing your interviews on SiriusXM and now on Sports Grid and YouTube. Your voice always so unique and adds an extra level of street cred in the sports world. Keep it up. Thanks, brother. We love you. And uh, fans can uh, tweet us on the show uh, at Pharrell on Grid and at Sports Grid, and we'll get your stuff on the air uh, the best we can. I promise we're always keeping an eye out for everything. Carver High Mafia with me, Joe Ranieri on uh, Coast to Coast. So, um, Carver High, the baseball players and owners uh, do not discuss fiscal anything in their first day of talks. And uh, what I'm hearing is is that they're going to possibly take two weeks to get these talks uh, accomplished, you know, some kind of finality to it, some kind of decision. Uh, They have to come to something, and I can't even fathom that uh, that they would play, uh, you know, it's like they're playing games. Like, why not get down to the root of all evil money? This is what this is about. It's about money. It's not about, it really isn't about anything else. You can talk about testing and fans and media and viruses and pandemics and the weather all you want. This is about, are we going to play baseball and what are you going to pay us? No, that seems to be the what it is. We talked about it yesterday because you look around at everybody else right now, Scotty, that's kind of got these proposed plans going, and it seems like they all have the testing aspect of this down pretty good. You look at what the PGA announced today, which we'll talk about later. You know, they're going to be testing everybody who's involved, the golfers, the caddies, etc. It seems like they've got plenty of tests to do that. It sounds like we know already that the UFC had tons of tests at their availability to test all these guys that were going to be out there before these events. So I don't see how it would take two weeks to get through stuff like that. You've seen the smaller issues like the DH. They've already said, yeah, that's not going to be a problem either. So if there's reports that it's going to take, you know, a week or two to get this done, then what do you think they're talking about? They're talking about money. That's what they're talking about. (laughs) 
Yeah. So while you're on it, I want to briefly uh, escape for one second and we'll get right back to the baseball, but you brought up the PGA and what they're doing is they're obviously going to have a lot of events coming up here and uh, and the actual events like the colonial in Fort Worth, uh, et cetera, they're going to test the players and caddies once during the four days Right. They're they're automatically going to get tested once before they, they even start. Their, yeah. Right. Before they even start. And then they will daily have their temperatures taken. And that includes uh, the media and anyone at all that has like a temperature. They're not going to be allowed anywhere near that golf course. There'll be no fans. And then the the main practice will be of social distancing between the players and caddies. And uh, the media will be way cordoned off and roped off. They won't even be allowed near them. When they do interviews, it'll be from 100 yards away, and there'll be a, a presser-type situation and a microphone on both ends. But my, my question to you is this. I think a lot of the golfers are basically going to uh, grab their own sticks out of the bag because they're not going to have all this touchy-feely handing off clubs. And, t- you know, I think these guys are going to keep their distance. That's going to be crucial but I actually think of all sports that this is the one they can actually pull this off the, the easiest. This is without question the easiest sport to pull off. Uh, the golfer goes out there with his caddy. Like you said, the caddy can hold the bag. The golfer can grab which club he wants out of the bag. The two golfers are three, depending on if you're in a twosome or a threesome. They can stay away from each other on the course. If you get a situation where two guys hit it right next to each other, one guy stays away and goes, then the other walks up and hits. There are ways to stay away from people on the golf course. And it sounds like they have a pretty good testing plan in place right now. And they have a very simple thing that they're going to do. If you test positive, you're out of here. With not now out here, like, you know, get lost, but you know, you're not playing. You're going home and you got to sit around for two weeks like everybody else who gets sick with COVID. That's how it goes. So uh, let's go to Mafia now. Uh, Mark Teixeira says the players should uh, take any deal. I think we have a uh, graphic on Teixeira. And I know his comments, players need to understand that if they turn the deal down and shut the sport down, uh, they're not making a cent. I'd rather make pennies on the dollar. Uh, These are unprecedented times. The owners, a 50-50 split is not unreasonable. I think players need to understand just this one time. They can bend a little bit. He said that on ESPN Radio. And then, boy, he got a lot of flack for it in the tabloids in New York today. Uh, do you agree or disagree with him, Mafia? I kind of agree with him. Like, I understand where the players are coming from. They've been fighting revenue split and, you know, salary caps and things like that forever. So they feel like if they give a little bit on this, that it's opening the door for them to do this in the future. But, I mean, you know, just make it clear, like, hey, this is unprecedented. This isn't something that we hope to ever experience again. So for the sake of the sport, the sake of the fans, we're willing to bend on this now. This isn't happening in the future in other CBAs. I mean, that's what you got to do if you really are that scared of this. I mean, if you want the sport to come back, you're going to have to bend. Because when you have people in the stands, when you got concessions, when you got the money coming from TV, yeah, you can make these exorbitant salaries. But when all that's cut out of it and it's you in empty stadiums, it's going to be really hard for them to pay these salaries. And if you want the sport to stay afloat and then have the money to pay you, then you have to give a little back here. Can you imagine uh, Carver High if they have no baseball? Like, honestly, because if they don't have baseball, I- I'm like done. I- I'm at the end of my rope. Like, uh, you know, I keep believing Bettman and I keep believing this NBA rhetoric that they're going to play and that they want to play. And it's the last thing in the world they want to do is not, you know, play games, both leagues and a baseball uh, has gotten to the point where they're arguing about uh, money 
uh, and nobody else is arguing about money. The baseball is arguing about money. Meanwhile, they make the most money of anybody. Do you feel like, are you getting a sense that uh, they could actually screw this up at the table and that there would be no baseball? And then what are we going to do? Like, if there's no baseball, I'm going to have to start golfing again. I may start drinking again. Well, yeah, two very different situations because the NBA and the NHL, they can just start their playoffs. They know what they need to do once they get going. They've played their season for the most part already. MLB has not started yet. You know money's going to be the issue, and I'm with you. It's like I know we, It's like you said before, the flip-flopping. Today it looks like they are going to fight about this thing, and the longer you go, Scotty, when do you get a point? Right now you're at 82 games, right, or 81 games, a half of a regular MLB season starting the first week of July. If this stretches out and you get to late May and you get to early June and they still haven't come up with a plan to start this season – when does it get to like, well, why are we going to have a season at all? You know, it's not like the other leagues where they've already played. You know who's in first place. You know who's a favorite to win. Nobody has played a game yet. What, are you going to play 40 baseball games and then do a, a playoff? You can't do that. You got to have at least half a season. So if they have the DH, uh, Universal, DH, <laughs> and the National League gets a DH, do you think that they'll stick with it, let's say, hypothetically, in 2021, <laughs> and that moving forward it'll be in both leagues? The DH will never uh, – it'll be there forever now, Scotty. Once they get a taste of it this summer, if they play, and the DH is in the National League, it is never going back to the old way, nor should it. We've been through this a million times. I'm sick of the DH. I'm sick of 90% of the pitchers who honestly either don't care or can't do it, and I'm, and I'm sick of the American League pitchers getting hurt when they have to do it in the silly interleague play. Scotty, this is about a business now, too. We've said this a billion times. You're paying these pitchers $30 million a year, $300 million contract. You're going to give Garrett Cole $300 million and then watch him you know, get hurt running to first base or getting hit with a pitch in the batter's box? Come on. Enough with the pitchers hitting. It's, it should have happened a long time ago. I'm glad that the door is getting open now, and now hopefully it gets closed forever here. All right, uh, the Arizona governor says sports can resume, and then could California baseball teams play at Arizona facilities like they do in the Cactus League? I think they absolutely could. California is one of these states that's putting the hard stance right now. Uh, the governor there has said, we're not having any kind of games here. There's definitely not going to be fans. Most of these teams' spring training complexes are all in Arizona, as we know. Sounds like it's pretty easy to take the California teams and put them in Arizona if you are going to have a season starting in July. 20 seconds. Uh, would the Mets benefit the most with the DH because of Cespedes? Are you buying any of that rhetoric? I think the Mets would benefit huge. You talk about Cespedes coming off a bunch of injuries. Sounds like he's ready to at least hit. Uh, he would have played the outfield either way. But now just having him be a DH, I think that that would be a massive gain for the Mets. All right, so when we come back, Mafia is licking his chops because the UFC is free tonight on ESPN+. Plus. He's going to watch people punching and elbowing each other in the face, and he loves violence on Coast to Coast. All right, Scotty Carver High here with a Sports Grid update. Like you were just saying, the UFC is back at it tonight. Second event of three in Jacksonville this week. Anthony Smith right now, a minus-184 favorite over Glover Teixeira in the main event. Ovince St. Preux, minus-128 favorite against Ben Rothwell. Drew Dauber, minus-128 as well. He fights Alex Hernandez. 
Ricky Simon, minus 174 choice over Ray Borg right now. All those odds at FanDuel. One fight will not happen. Carl Roberson and Martin Vittori are off tonight. A bad weight cut for Roberson. He is too ill to fight. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis became the second governor to announce that his state is open for business to professional sports teams that want to resume activity amid the pandemic. DeSantis said, quote, all professional sports teams are welcome here for practicing and playing. What I would tell commissioners of leagues is if you have a team in an area where they just won't let them operate, we'll find a place for you right here in the state of Florida, end quote. This follows, of course, on Tuesday where Arizona Governor Doug Deuce announced like we were just saying, that professional sports can resume in Arizona. The NBA is gaining momentum after a call with Commissioner Adam Silver yesterday. Participants on the Board of Governors call said with Silver said that they left the virtual meeting feeling positive about the league's momentum towards resumption of play this season, according to ESPN. Call centered on minimizing risk for all involved. If one positive test could shut the whole thing down and playing in a campus-like setting, Vegas or Disney World in Orlando, is viable. With the PGA Tour scheduled to get back into action next month, they sent a 37-page memo to the players outlining everything from testing to social distancing, accommodations to travel, and driving range protocol. The idea, of course, is to return June 11th in Fort Worth. The plan for the players, caddies, and various support staff is to receive a pre-travel screening test That will be given again when they arrive on site. At that time, COVID-19 tests will be given. Results expected within 48 hours. Like a drug test, taking a COVID-19 test will be required to compete. The NFL extends virtual OTAs till the end of May. It was originally planned to go this Friday, but instead teams will now continue to keep working with the players via the virtual classroom. While we wait for approval from the MLB players for a potential restart to baseball, one thing that it appears will not be an issue, the designated hitter. Sounds like reports say the players are easily going to approve that it will be added to all National League games. The MLS is eyeing a late June tournament in Orlando. Players and staff would get there June 1st. They train for a couple weeks, and then the format is not clear yet, but... Teams will be divided into groups and then have a knockout stage World Cup style. League is not sure if these games would count in the standings. I'm Carver High with a Sports Grid update. On the edge, get on the grid. All right, Carver High, good stuff. SB Nation Radio back with us on Coast to Coast Sports Grid style. Shake out. Ooh. All right, uh, Mafia, it's your forte. Uh, MMA, UFC, fight night. I've got everything in front of me. I know we also have um a graphic of these odds but i have the odds as well so we can do it either way uh, i want to start at the uh, i know we have these uh, vandal odds on smith minus a buck 80 uh saint prue favored over rothwell uh dober barely favored over hernandez simon favored over a uh, borg but i want to go with you mafia down uh and look at these fights uh, and, and, you know, you know more than I do about all this stuff. So there's basically 10 fights. Jay Sherman and Ike Villanueva. Uh, Sherman favored minus a buck 60. Uh, if I'm right, there's about 10 fights tonight on this card. Is that about correct? And, and what do you think of these two Americans? Yeah, I mean, uh, Jay Sherman's a guy who had a lot of hype coming in. 
to the heavyweight division. They thought that he might rise up and be one of the guys that contend for a title. And, uh, you know, his big personality on social media and things like that. But unfortunately, uh, fell by the wayside a little bit. Lost a couple of fights. Just didn't live up to the hype once again, as they've had with a bunch of guys. You know, he's uh, before we, you know, all these fights. Let me disclaimer right now. I would not bet the house on any of them. This is not the car where you go running wild and everybody is crazy and they want to get all the action they can in. We'll give you picks. But be careful on any of them because it can go either way with some of these guys. These aren't the best fighters on the card or on the uh, roster for sure. Uh, I'll lean towards Sherman, but, you know, he's down that far on the card for a reason right now. All right, so uh, Match 9, Hunter, Azur, and then Brian uh, Kelleher are fighting in the featherweights. What do you think of them? I'll lean towards Kelleher in this one. Uh, you know, another situation where these Kelleher was uh, a guy who was getting a couple wins, getting a little tension, has kind of lost his way since. I'll lean towards him right now, but I'd stay away from it if I could. Azur, unbeaten, only eight fights, but he won all of them. And then in lightweight, Gabriel Benitez, a dog to Omar Morales. What do you think of those two in the lights? Honestly, these two guys I don't know much about. Uh, this one's a tough one to, to pick if you don't really have followed these guys or watched them fight, so I'm not going to pick this one. I'm going to stay away, get a little further up the card before I start putting my money down. Morales is unbeaten 9 and 0 but uh Benita has more experience 21 and 8 and then in uh the ladies Bantamweight, uh Eubanks and Morris and Eubanks is a heavy favorite the American over the Canadian. Yeah, Sajar Eubanks better known as Sarge. Uh she was coming in off the tough and was looking to be, you know, one of the most feared fighters in that division. You know, she had trouble making weight a bunch, which was her problem earlier in her career. Now she's lost a couple of fights back-to-back here, but she still is a big favorite, and I think, you know, well above Sarah Moraes on this one, so I'm going to pick her. Uh, Michael Johnson and Tiago Moises in the lightweights. Uh, barely, Moises is favored over Johnson, and they've uh, they both fought a lot. Yeah, they have. Um, Moises fought mostly on other, you know, promotions, hasn't had a big UFC presence yet. Michael Johnson, a guy who's been around for a long time, a guy who's been in that division and uh, kind of been a gatekeeper for a long time, had, you know, Kyle contentions in his mind for a while, but every time he seems to get the big fight has kind of gotten knocked back down the mountain. I think, you know, it's a close one. It's a tough one. I like him a little bit more. I don't think Moises has done enough in the UFC for me to pick him against Johnson. Uh, how about this guy, Andre Arlovsky? They're still rolling this guy out into the Ferelagon. It's unbelievable. I saw that guy fight 15 years ago. Uh, he's fighting uh, Philippi Lenz, uh, and Lenz is a heavy favorite over him. Arlovsky's 28-19. This guy has been fighting uh, since before Christ. <laughs> yeah, listen, 10 years ago, I would have been excited for an Andre Arlovsky fight. And in fact, I was, because that's, I think, when we were doing uh, the Affliction fights, and he was returning to North American uh, MMA, which we hadn't seen him in for a while. But now, since it's just been a downhill slide for him, uh, I know that Felipe Lins didn't do great in Bellator. Dennis had a nice run in the PFL before coming to this fight. So he's kind of rebirthed his career here. And Arlovsky's chin is just such glass, I can never pick him in a fight. You know, even ones that he should be favored in or ones that he's better than the guy, I can't pick him because he just goes down easy right now. All right, so the big fights, there's four of them. Ricky Simon and Ray Borg, the two Americans. What do you think of those Bantamweights? I'm kind of surprised by the odds here that Ray Borg is, uh, you know, pretty big favorite. Simon's got a nice sizable lead here in the odds. Uh, Simon's done pretty well, but Ray Borg is a guy who's been at the top of that division for a while. He's always knocking on the door for title contention. His big problem has always been making weight, but I think he's a better fighter. I think he's a little more well-rounded. I think he's a good value here as the underdog. 
Uh, match three, the lightweights, Alexander Hernandez against Drew Dober. Who do you like there? I'm going to go underdog here as well. Uh, I mean, Dober is never a guy that's impressed me that much. Every time he gets against a guy that's, you know, a good pedigree, he seems to go down. And uh, he's had trouble with the guys on the ground. He's gotten submitted in most of his losses here in the UFC. I think Hernandez might use his wrestling, try to get him on the ground, and maybe get another one of those submission losses for Dober. All right, so the two big fights are uh, Rothwell and St. Pru. These guys have literally uh, a ton of experience. They've fought everybody, anywhere, anytime. They're like Cerrone. They Their records are unbelievable. Rothwell, 37 and 12. St. Pru, 24 and 13. Um, St. Pru, the favorite. Who do you like? Yeah, Rothwell is a guy who's been around forever. Uh, a guy who's always game, but a guy who's mostly, you know, a tin can at this point. He's just in there. People know him, and he's going to brawl. He's going to make it somewhat exciting if he can, but most times he's not going to win. And it looks like uh, one of these guys that just pretty much climbs off a motorcycle and takes off his uh, cup before he joins in the ring. That's how this guy has always been. Never been the best shape, never been the best fighter, just going to come in there and brawl. Ovin St. Pru, skills-wise, a better fighter. The thing that worries me is him moving up to heavyweight right now. He's going from light heavy to heavy for this fight. You know, he's been a guy who's been up and down in light heavyweight, but to come into this tougher, bigger, you know, stronger weight division is uh, questionable for me. But being that Rothwell isn't a great fighter, I'm going to take the chance that St. Pru uses that wrestling background of his and maybe takes it to the mat and tries to dominate him there. So bottom line is you're telling me that, uh, that St. Pru's going up into a division that's very dangerous, but you're still going to bet on him. Uh, Anthony Smith and Glover Teixeira, the main event at Light Heavy. Uh, who are you taking in the uh, main event tonight? Yeah, another situation where we're talking about Olofsky. Like, years ago, I would have taken Olofsky. Years ago, I would have taken Glover Teixeira. You know, he's been one of the scarier guys in the division for the last five to seven years. But he seems to be a little slower now. He's bounced back and forth. He's gotten back on his winning ways a little bit better than he was maybe two years ago. But right now, I think Anthony Smith is on the rise up. You know, the only real loss he has in the last couple of years is to John Jones, and he went the distance with him. So he's a guy that can, is tough. He's a guy that's game. He's a guy that knows how to fight smart against better fighters. So I think he's going to avoid the power of Teixeira and kind of keep his distance and I'll point him and get the win here by decision. So do you believe that McGregor will end up fighting Nate Diaz a third time in July? Cause he's not getting Gaethje. Gaethje going to fight uh, Habib. Yeah. He had the chance at Gaethje as Gaethje's manager said, like you could have signed that fight before you went for cowboy. You thought that was easier fight. Well, now you have to wait. Cause now we won. So, you know, I think that Connor's going to call out everyone he wants to, and we'll see who he fights because how many times have we heard him connected to different fights that he just doesn't sign? You know, it's almost as bad as the flip-flopping as we're doing on whether sports will come back is who is Conor McGregor going to fight? Is it even going to be in the MMA cage? You know, is all of a sudden he going to go fight De La Hoya or Mayweather again? There's so many rumors swirling around this guy because he can't keep his mouth shut about anybody. I think that he will return. And, you know, if they want to go big money fight, then Masvidal is a guy to kind of give him those pay-per-view buys or maybe Diaz. But I feel the longer it goes with the Diaz trilogy – the more luster we lose off that because we haven't seen either of those guys in the cage for so long at this point. Who cares? So, uh, Cejudo, this entire thing about him, Henry Cejudo, uh, you know, retiring is about money that most people think he's going to come back and fight. And then Dana White's not going to sit around and wait for this guy to make his mind up or try to bang him for some more money. Uh, he's going to move on and, and put somebody else in that uh, belt, isn't he? Yeah, he's going to put, uh, I think it's Marlon Moraes and Peter Yan. People are talking about being, you know, up for a possible title contention fight or, you know, the belt because if he is has gone, but it's completely a money grab. If one of those guys, if they do give him an interim belt, he'll come back for money as long as Dana pays him. 
All right, uh, Mafia, great job. So, Carver, hi. Uh, are you excited at all for this card tonight? I know that you uh, – it's funny. Over time, I saw you have no interest in the UFC. And then over the last several years, you've gained a lot of momentum and steam on it, and you actually like it now. And then Saturday night, I know you watched all the fights. Are you excited to turn it around this quickly on a Wednesday night and, and watch another card? Are you going to watch? I don't know, Scotty. It's going to be tougher, I think, for somebody like me. And, yeah, I'm more into it now, obviously, because we've talked about it on the show for years, that I, and I know that I need to watch it. And I like betting on it as well when I know who the fighters are. A night like tonight is very tough for me because as you and Mafia are going through the card, there's a lot of who. Ooh, yeah. Ooh. Uh, here's what here's what they need tonight, uh, Scotty, to keep somebody like me in the mix for the whole night. They need a couple of fights that are real good with guys just beating each other around, like I saw on Saturday night. You saw some heavy hitting on Saturday night. If I don't get that within the first couple of fights, you're gonna lose me quickly. Because if it's just a couple guys, you know, standing around hugging each other and rolling around on the mat for five rounds or three rounds. I can't have it. I want to see violence. I want to see it get rough. And if it is, you'll keep me around. So you're a fan of the uh, the heels, if you will. You you like the the McGregor's and the Covingtons and and the guys that run their mouths and cause problems. Yes, any kind of problems that get caused, it, it that brings me to watch UFC. I love watching Conor McGregor because I think he's a character. I think it's hilarious, some of the stuff that he does. Guys like Khabib, I'm not interested in those guys. I don't care if he's this great technical fighter of all time. The guy is an absolute stiff to watch fight. I want absolutely nothing to do with it. I want to see guys that are exciting in and out of the ring. I was watching this uh, bit on uh, Errol Spence talking about he would have beaten Mayweather uh, if they fought and, and Mayweather said, uh, you know, uh, he, he's Mayweather said, he's glad that, uh, Spence thinks that way. And he's glad that he's positive and that he believes he can beat him. And he wants every fighter to think he can beat anyone. But he also added at the end, he said, uh, I never drank, smoked or did drugs or did anything my entire career. And I think that was a nice, uh, slant on him getting wasted and crashing that Ferrari that he can't maintain his stuff and that he won't last in boxing like Mayweather did. And I thought that was a really pleasant and wonderful way to tell him that he needs to clean up his life. It's Pharrell coast to coast. DailyRoto.com Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. I'm still on my own journey, but I want to be transparent with you, because as I was posting all the highlights of my life on social media, I was breaking down. And too many people fall victim to the picture-perfect image of the high life, so I created a space to discuss the good and the bad. 
we can laugh, man. We we gonna learn, and most of all, I hope to inspire you to go on this journey with me to better mental health. This is gonna be your church, your turn up, and everything in between. So join me on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, a safe space for every kind of person. Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Pharrell back on Coast to Coast on Sports Grid, SB Nation Radio. Uh, I just wanted to get into Pain Day NFL. It's very important that we do that on a daily basis. So this guy, we talked about him a lot on uh, yesterday's show about being one of the uh, possibilities for the Monday Night Football booth, Dan Arlovsky. He was uh, ranting and raving about uh, Baker Mayfield having a huge year this year if they play football. And if you look at his games uh, last year, uh, 3,800 yards, 22 TDs, 21 uh, picks, I think it is. I could be wrong. Uh, a 78.8 rating. And the Browns are 12 and 17 with Baker as the starter. He was ranked 31st in completion percentage last year, which is absolutely god awful. And I just want to know, Carver High, do you believe for one minute that Baker Mayfield is going to have a gigantic year? Why Why would that happen all of a sudden? I mean, if you – is he going to – like, what's he found God or something? I don't understand. How can you go from being that bad to being that good overnight? Well, I, they probably think that Kevin Stefanski is some kind of quarterback whisperer. He's going to go in there and change everything with Baker Mayfield. Sure. Uh, this is like last year. Like, everything like needs Freddie to happen Kitchen. in – Like, like, Scotty, we do this every year with the Cleveland Browns. There has to be steps here. Like, instead of going from zero to 100, or like last year, we're going to go from never having a winning record to going to the Super Bowl. You know how we did that big jump? You know, instead of, you know, doing small steps like winning a division or making the playoffs, let's just go right Right. to the big thing. So, Baker was awful last year. So, instead of saying – You know, I think he's going to improve, and I think he can get better with Kevin Stefanski. It goes from that. Instead of saying that and being reasonable, let's just say he's going to have a huge year. He's going to go from being absolutely awful to having a huge year. Forget all the stuff in between. That doesn't matter. We're going to jump right to the huge year. Could he be better? Of course he can be better. Did you see those numbers? He was awful last year. He's going to be better this year. I do believe that. But huge, monstrous year, I'm not ready to go there yet. Yeah, I'm not either. And we'll have Andy Baskin, as I mentioned, tomorrow. He's on the radio in uh, Cleveland. He did TV in Cleveland, sports forever. Mafia, do you believe that uh, Mayfield's going to have some huge year? Or do you believe, like I do, that the Browns have stunk my entire life and they'll continue to stink? I, I honestly do not believe that they're better than the Ravens or the Steelers. Well, listen, he better have a huge year or, you know, people are talking about if Darnold doesn't improve this year, they're going to, he's going to be the next Trubisky type, you know, victim. Well, Mayfield's even higher on that list right now because he had two great running backs. He had two great wide receivers. He had a great tight end. They didn't do a damn thing last year. He was terrible. Now they went out and got him help this year. They got him offensive line. That was the problem was he wasn't being protected. At least that's what they're going to say. So now you draft the wills, you, you know, sign other guys to block for him. If you don't get it going this year with all the weapons that you have, then there is no excuses. I think he'll improve. I'm not going to jump to he's going to have a great year because that's a huge leap to take right now, especially when you have the Steelers, 
with their great defense and their secondary and the Ravens, who are always awesome on defense in that same division. Six, you know, four games a year, he's going to have to play those two teams, and it's going to be brutal. I think the Steelers, they went 8-8 eight and eight without Roethlisberger. I think they can win 10 or 11 games with him and that defense if Roethlisberger's standing up and he's healthy. I think the Steelers are way more dangerous than the Browns, who, uh, you know, frankly, all they do is lose. I know they made a big story out of Stefanski moving to Cleveland. Uh, that was because of the delay with the pandemic and everything. He's finally living in Cleveland now. We'll talk tomorrow more about what Stefanski brings to the table. We've been through all this. I mean, I've been through this 15 times with the coaches they've mowed through in Cleveland. This is just another in the long line of coaches that they put in that job that, uh, you know, all of them have failed one after the next. Uh, my entire life, they've had so many coaches. So let's talk uh, about Urban Meyer. He says, Mafia, that uh, Dwayne Haskins uh, would be elite, like incredible, uh, if he's going to succeed in D.C. with the Redskins. They've got to put more elite players around him. You find that funny? I find it hilarious because, you know, his comments of, well, if they give him elite players, he'll be elite. Who wouldn't be great if you put elite players around him? Any quarterback, you put elite players around him, he can be good. That's the whole idea. So just say that this guy needs that to be great doesn't make him great. That just makes us say that, okay, he needs other people to hold him up. You know, what you should be saying is this guy will make others elite, not he needs people to make him better. So, uh, Carver High, do you buy into Haskins in D.C.? And do you think that you'll ever see Alex Smith play football again with that leg injury? Because they keep trying to sell us that he's coming back. Yeah, I'm not buying any of that. I'm not, I'm not going to buy Alex Smith playing football again until I actually see it. And even then, I don't know. Uh, like, really, Alex, I mean, you watch that documentary, dude. Just chill out, man. You've made a lot of money. You had a gruesome injury. Just take it. Just relax a little bit, please. As far as Haskins goes, if I take a player in the top 10 of the NFL draft, I am expecting that player to be a franchise changing type of talent, right? Like if you, you take Dwayne Haskins in the top 10 to be your quarterback for your franchise, you're thinking, you know, I understand you got to put good players around him, but Shouldn't he bring that something to your franchise? So now Urban Meyer's saying, oh, no, you got to wait a second. You got to wait till you put good people around him before uh, you see him be good. That's really not how it works. You got to show me a little something even before you get the great players around you. Do you believe that uh, Russell Wilson's never received an MVP vote? Uh, can you even believe that? He's been a great player, not one vote ever. Not one vote ever. Can you? It's pretty hard to fathom. And I thought that this year, he definitely deserved some. Lamar Jackson ends up winning it unanimously. But even in years past, you would have thought that he maybe got a vote here or there at some point, right? Um, so maybe yesterday looking at him at that plus 700 on the MVP odds, I guess that's not a good thing to look at because they never give Russell Wilson any votes for the MVP. So forget about him. All right, so uh, let's go to Mafia, and it's a prove-it season for Sam Darnold. Uh, he's had the mono and everything else. Will he get it done for the green? And then uh, we'll put up that lock and forward graphic of uh, the quarterbacks from the last three drafts uh, and ranking them. So first of all, Mafia, are you buying or selling that Sam Darnold is going to come up big this year? I think he has a lot more weapons than he has before, and he has guys that could block from like we just talked about with Mayfield. So I think this is definitely one where he should take that next step forward, and he has to. I think to say that you know he has to have a proven season is a little rough because you know the guy after his first year is 
They get bringing a new coaching staff, new system he's got to learn. Then in that second year when he's learning that system, all of a sudden he can't play for the first four to six weeks because he gets sick with mono. Now you have all this stuff going on now with the pandemic. He's had a little you know crappy situation going on around in his whole career right now. But they have great players around him, at least you know talented ones at the skill positions, and they got him some protection. He needs to improve. But I'm saying I think it's hard to say he has to have a prove it season. Otherwise, you know you got to get rid of him. All right, let's look at this uh, graphic. Here we go. The uh, ranking the draft classes, and then you got Lamar number one, Kyler Murray two, Josh Allen three, Tua four, Burrow five, Darnold is sixth, and Minshew Mayfield Stidham Locke. Daniel Jones, 11th, Haskins, 12th, Herbert just got drafted, love, Mason Rudolph has played, he was terrible, Ryan Finley and Josh Rosen was dead last. Hey, Carver, are you excited about your boy Josh Allen being number three right there? Yeah, and what Jason was doing here is he was basically taking the quarterbacks that were drafted in the last three drafts and ranking them in terms of who he had the most trust in all the way down to who he had the least amount of trust in. And I love seeing Josh Allen up on that list. He, of course, has already made the playoffs, which is great to see. Uh, you know, some guys may be a little high. I'm not a big believer, Scotty, in this Gardner Minshew, uh, okay? I need to see a little bit more from him. That team is going to be awful this year. You're telling me that Gardner Minshew is going to be a big-time player for the Jacksonville Jaguars? I don't believe that for a second. I can't wait to see Stidham, too, finally get out there and play a little bit for the Patriots, but let's see what happens here with a few of these guys. So $800,000 was the winning bid for Brady's all in challenge. And a 25 year old YouTube millionaire won it. And he's going to receive tickets to his uh, first home game in Tampa. And uh, he's going to get his game worn Jersey and cleats. He also gets to have dinner or a workout with the six time Super Bowl champion. Well, that'll be exciting. That dinner with that TB 12 diet. Oh, uh, you got to take the workout, Scotty. You got to take the workout over the dinner. You got to get in there with him and Guerrero, learn all the tricks of the trade of that TB12 method. That's worth more than going to dinner with the guy. Do you think that <laughs> Vegas will lose millions if they uh, win the Super Bowl, the Bucs? You think this is going to cost Vegas? I'm not buying that. Well, yeah, I mean, it'll cost them if they actually want it, but you don't actually believe they're going to, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think well, Vegas I don't think has to worry about one it. Minute. I don't think they're gonna. I don't think they're gonna win the Super Bowl. All right, so uh, you know, Favre talked about uh, the difference between them drafting Rodgers when he was around and them drafting Love while Rodgers has been in the saddle. What did you think of those comments? Uh, I think Brett needs to calm down a little bit. Yeah, he really does. I actually see a lot of similarities. Uh, Jordan Love's not going to play. Uh, Rodgers didn't play. So there are some things, but the the thing that's kind of gotten to me about this is all the, oh, Aaron Rodgers is going to get traded in the next year or two. You watch. Uh, I don't believe any of that. Uh, I think that Aaron Rodgers is going to be the Green Bay Packer quarterback uh, until he's done doing that. And you'll see this Jordan Love pick. As much as insurance as it was, I don't think it's going to be a, a while before he starts taking the field for the Packers. All right, so uh, Chris Collinsworth was talking about Mahomes, and he said that he thinks he's going to make – $50 million a year. When that guy gets his contract, uh, that's a number that's just outrageous. But, you know, I actually think it could happen based on they're going to give Dak 35 and then somebody's going to make 40 uh, and then somebody's going to make 45 and somebody's going to make 50. And eventually it's going to happen. And it could very well be 
uh, Mahomes, people are already on this guy like glue uh, that he's the best player in the league and what he's accomplished already an MVP and a Super Bowl win. I won't be surprised at all. I mean, he is going to be the highest paid quarterback in the NFL at some point or another. Count on that. The Giants are going to run uh, Jason Garrett's offense in New York. Of course, he's their offensive coordinator. I remember when we used to laugh at the thought of Jason Garrett, uh, you know, getting the job. Uh, if he was going to lose the job in Dallas, get the job in New York. He didn't get the job, but he got the offensive coordinator gig. People laughed when they thought uh, that that was even on the table, but it did happen. And now all of a sudden they're going to run his offense. That's going to be interesting to see well, how that works. The, isn't the that why you don't... hired him? You hired him. To, isn't that why you hired him? You hired him to run the offense that he runs, right? Why is this such a big deal? Of course he's going to run his offense. That's why you hired him. Uh, the Bengals' best fit is uh, for Joe Flacco to go to Cincinnati. You buying that? Uh, as long as he knows he's not going to play, which at that stage of his career he should know that, and he's got that injury, he's not going to be ready anyway. I could see putting a little veteran leadership around uh, Burrow, but I know that Flacco wasn't too hot on helping Drew Locke out last year in Denver, so uh, I don't believe anything with Flacco going to Cincinnati. All right, so Josh Norman saying he's going to have an all-pro season with the Bills. Are you buying that? I'm not buying it at all. I'm, listen, he came over. A lot of Carolina guys have come to the Bills here the last couple of years to play for Sean McDermott. Let's see what happens. He was awful in Washington the last couple of years. You're telling me all of a sudden he's going to flip the switch and be a great player again? They've got a lot of players in the defensive backfield already. He's going to be a third-corner type of guy, a fill-in type of guy. Let's see if he's still got it. So the Raiders uh, tickets are averaging over a grand on the secondary market. That's a hot commodity uh, with their new stadium in Sin City. Uh, they're selling those things like pancakes. They're talking about signing Prince Amakamara. Uh, and then I also, when I come back, I want to show the uh, Rams unis. They've come out with uh, the new pictures of the Rams uniform. So we'll show that when we come back. We'll talk a little NASCAR, a little golf. We got the police blotter. And this day in sports, all happening on Coast to Coast. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Back on coast to coast. Uh, can we get a shot of this uh, Rams? Oh, whoa! Look at those—the new Rams unis and helmets. Look at that, home and road, the white and the blue. Are you kidding me? Representing Lipstick City, and uh, just a sidebar: the fans absolutely hate them. <laughs> It's time for another exciting edition of uh, Today in Sports. Uh, on this day, 1955, uh, Mickey Mantle, Yankee hits home runs from both sides of the play for the first time in his career. He'd do it 10 more times. In 58, Stan Musial collects a 3,000 career hit with a pinch hit double. In 69, Ernie Banks, let's play two. The Cubs reaches 50th 
RBIs, seven RBIs and a 19 nothing win over the expansion Padres. 72 Brewers beat the Twins 4-3 in 22 innings. The game started the day before in 76. The Nets beat the Nuggets in the last ABA game. It was the championship. In 83, Reggie Jackson, his first major leaguer, to strike out 2,000 times. In 1993, George Brett of the Royals hits his 300th career home run. Brett is only the sixth major league player with at least 3,000 hits and 300 home runs. 99, AI, Allen Iverson recorded an NBA playoff record, 10 steals and a win over the Magic. 2011, Derek Bugard, Canadian ice hockey player, dies tragically. A lot of hits to the head, brain damage, born in 82, gone in 2011, devastating. The league never wanted to talk about Derek Bugard. 2012, Man City wins the Premier League for the first time. I thought their 2018 season was better, though. What do you think, Carver High? 2018 better? Yeah, absolutely. The 2018 season was a, was a dominating performance by them, but that is a special one, the first one they won back then in 11. All right, so uh, tomorrow we'll get into some of this other stuff, including uh, NASCAR coming back on Sunday at Darlington. They're going to have a ton of races. And enjoy the UFC fight night tonight. A little violence for you on a midweeker. Great having Tony Hawk on the show today. Great job by everybody. It's Pharrell Coast to Coast on Sports Grid. Check out. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.